Hey, welcome family to my Irreligious Life podcast with your host, Jermaine Thomas, a.k.a. The Professor. Deconstructing and deconverting from your faith is a very difficult journey. The process can have psychological and emotional implications. Join us as we have a heartwarming and engaging dialogue around this and so much more. Let's get it, family. This podcast series explored the psychosocial impact of high demand religion. And it's dedicated to those who have walked the path of religious fundamentalism, a path paved with fervent belief, strict guidelines, and often the heavy weight of expectation. And we gather, most importantly, as survivors. Leaving religious fundamentalism is not a betrayal. It is not a turning away from the divine. It is a reclamation of your own journey, a courageous step towards authenticity and a fierce act of self-love. I just want you to know you have companions on this shared road. I, too, have felt the sting of judgment and a suffocating grip of dogma, the dishonesty between belief and reality. I know the pain of questioning, the fear of being ostracized, the grief of saying goodbye to the comfort of certainty. But in the cracks of those doubts, light began to seeping in. And I dare to ask questions to explore beyond the prescribed boundaries, to listen to the whispers of my own intuition. And what I found there was not emptiness, but a universe of possibilities, a faith forged in personal truth, a connection to the divine that resonated within my own authentic voice. Healing from the wounds of religious fundamentalism is a process, not a moment. It is a tapestry woven with the threads of grief, anger, confusion, and ultimately acceptance. It is confronting the shadows cast by rigid doctrines, forgiving oneself for past misunderstandings and embracing the present with open arms. In the last two episodes, we gave an in-depth analysis to the reality and the harm of HDR in an African-American religious context. We also highlighted data from the Pew Research. In today's episode, we're going to look at how we can heal and better support those coming out of high demand religion. I heard it once said, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. So we'll start today with defining what is religious trauma. Religious trauma syndrome occurs when an individual struggles with leaving a religion or a set of beliefs contributing to their indoctrination. Religious trauma often involves breaking away from a controlling environment, lifestyle, or spiritual figure. In some settings, the symptoms of religious trauma can be similar to those of complex post-traumatic stress disorder. Religious trauma can stem from spiritual abuse, devastating effect, self-esteem, sense of self-worth and identity. Religion can impact how we see the world. Denying the existence of problems in the face of continual optimism and faith can be easy, but this toxic positivity can lead to lasting harm, a lifestyle of spiritual bypassing. Religious trauma can leave many believing they are inherently sinful or condemned, even after they leave the religion and previously held beliefs. Religious trauma syndrome is not officially included in the DSM-5 or the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. However, religious and spiritual trauma exists and impacts millions of individuals. Religion can easily be weaponized, and we've seen that, y'all. And people may twist teachings to fit their agendas. We've seen that as well. Shame, guilt, and condemnation are among many harmful messages, often leading to lasting and deep mental wounds that damage the psyche. 
RTS often occurs when individuals in a like-minded community see their religious path as the only way, identifying outside others as inherently bad or misguided. We've heard that too. These groups deliberately disconnect from mainstream society and traditions. For some, this behavior can include not observing holidays, visiting movie theaters, dressing modestly, or not giving value to cultural distinctions because they demonize them. Others may live in more rural areas, avoiding the appearance or perceptions of evil. While religious trauma syndrome is commonly used, many clinicians and researchers are shying away from the use of the word syndrome. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Leaving and unpacking HDR can be a complex and challenging experience, often involving emotional turmoil, social isolation, and identity reconstruction. A psychosocial approach, which is what I talked about over these last podcast series, can offer valuable support during this transition by addressing the psychological, social, and cultural aspects of the individual's experience. One of the most harmful effects of religious fundamentalism, y'all, is the suppression of the human agency. And we can define human agency as the ability to make our own choices and live our lives according to our own values. Listen, y'all, it is essential to our well-being and our ability to drive. When we are subjected to religious fundamentalism, we are told that we must follow certain rules and beliefs or we'll be punished by God. Sound familiar? This can make us feel powerless and afraid to think for ourselves. I know it did for me. We may also start to doubt our own judgment and abilities, stuff that leads to imposter syndrome. I mean, this thing is loaded, y'all. Religious fundamentalism can also lead to social isolation. When we are surrounded by people who share our beliefs, it can be difficult to question those beliefs or to develop our own unique identity. This can make it difficult to form meaningful relationships with people outside of our religious community. Religious fundamentalism is a dangerous ideology, I like to say, that seeks to control people's lives and stifle their free will. It is based on a rigid interpretation of religious texts that is often used to justify bigotry, violence, and oppression, and in America, nationalism. That oppression also can be internalized. The liberation of the human agency from religious fundamentalism is essential for our individual and our collective well-being. We must be free to think for ourselves and to make our own choices and to live our lives according to our own values. So the liberation of the human agency from religious fundamentalism is a necessity in a lifelong process. It requires courage, critical thinking, and a commitment to personal growth, but it is a journey that is well worth the taking. HDRs often utilize manipulative and controlling tactics that can leave individuals feeling confused, disoriented, and even traumatized. A psychosocial approach acknowledges and validates these experiences, helping individuals make sense of their emotions and recognize the impact HDR has had on their lives. Leaving an HDR can be isolating as individuals may lose contact with their formal social network. A psychosocial approach can help individuals rebuild positive relationships and find new sources of support through therapy groups, peer support networks, or online communities. HDRs often impose strict beliefs and values that shape an individual's identity. 
Leaving the group can leave them feeling lost and unsure who they are. A psychosocial approach can help individuals explore their personal values, beliefs, and interests, and supporting them in building a new and authentic sense of self. It is these types of support that would have been empowering to Cheryl in her experience in high-demand religion. And so let's continue with excerpts from Cheryl Brown's book, Mafia Ministry, A Crying Shame, Chapter 8, The Breakdown. During the time I was away from church, I was so out of it. I felt down, depressed, shaky, and even suicidal. I was in survival mode and realized that this Benny Hinn business was too much for me to grasp. How could he fire a single mother for letting him know that she wasn't getting paid? I and for the life of me could not understand this. He talked one thing and preached another. He is a phony, a fraud, a liar, and he disrespected me, I thought. After I stopped going to church, I was unable to function. As soon as my son went to school, I would sleep all day. He was in the first grade and I had him in an after school program at the school. I dreaded walking up the street to pick him up. I just did not want to get out of bed and I would have slept all day. I did, however, have a friend named Stacy from the church whose son was friends with my son. And I called to tell her of what had happened. And she came over to have us follow her to another church. And we went inside and the pastor prayed for me. And I tried to feel better. And we were supposed to try to go to another prayer meeting somewhere else that evening. But as I drove on the way there, I started having sharp pains coming and going through my head. So I went to the nearest hospital in Irvine. Stacy followed me and I was crying and shaking with my son in the car. I tried to park the best that I could near the emergency room entrance. My son was terrified. I got out of the car and I fell to the ground and I felt like I was going to die. And I was on my knees in the parking lot, the hospital hollering, Jesus, please help me. Please help me. Why? I don't want to die. And I remember at some point my friend ran to get help and my son was screaming, mommy, mommy. And crying with fear. I don't remember much about the incident, but I was suffering mentally, physically, and spiritually. The ER wanted to check me into a psychiatric ward, but I did not have any long term child care or support for my child. So I had to pull myself together quickly, and they prescribed Xanax. I went home and I was grateful my son had calmed down. And I felt so bad about breaking down in front of him. That had never happened to me before, and I had always tried to be a good parent, protecting my boy from harm. I never wanted him to get abused like I had been. I always kept a close eye on him. My job was to protect him, but I never knew that hurt could come in this form with all of these complexities. I was beginning to feel like a terrible mother and that he deserved someone better than me to raise him. And I was thinking about how my own mother had told me that I was a wasted ejaculation and how she wishes she would have aborted me. I had been rejected, abused and abandoned. Now, here I was at the forefront of a healing ministry, getting a door slammed on me. And the so-called man of God looks down on me like I'm a dog. And I felt like I was useless. I mean, how do you get fired from cleaning toilets? How? I felt such despair. I was ashamed of just being me. All my life, people had abused me sexually, physically, and emotionally. And now I was being abused spiritually by Benny Hinn and his crew. People that I felt should be able to trust. 
Who can I trust? I thought. And who is there left to trust? Heart wrenching to hear, I know. And Shiro's story is a microcosm to the growing reality of religious harm. Leaving an HDR can trigger a range of difficult emotions such as anger, sadness, guilt, and fear. A psychosocial approach can equip individuals with coping mechanisms to manage these emotions in a healthy way through things like mindfulness techniques, realization exercises, and expressive therapies. Leaving an HDR can also present practical challenges such as housing, employment, and financial security, some of the things that Cheryl outlines in her book. A psychosocial approach can provide resources and support to help individuals navigate these challenges and build a stable life outside of high demand religion. I want to call you all's attention to a couple of points, and particularly this is to pastors and other social workers and clinicians out there. Listen to this and to you all that are navigating uh, the space of deconstruction, processing through the emotional, mental dysregulation. Listen to these few points. okay? and these are some things I just highlighted in this write up in this analysis work that I did to talk about high demand religion and its psychosocial impact, meaning the psychological and the social impact that high demand religion can have. And I think Cheryl's story is a case study to this reality of what I outlined over these last podcast series. But these points I want you to consider and I end with this. Number one, it is important to find a therapist or a counselor who has experience working with individuals leaving high demand religion. A trauma informed approach can be particularly helpful for individuals who have experienced abuse or manipulation in high demand religion. Like even now in the scandals that's across social media and that's happening within Christendom, these points are important factors to help people heal that have had these types of experiences in the church. And this is why I lean into my posts and the things that I say in advocating that we make our faith spaces safe spaces and information and conversations like this are important, particularly for Social workers, clinicians and pastors who understand the impact of trauma that we have to sit down, y'all, and do some introspection. But here's another point. Culturally sensitive care is important as high demand religion can exist within various cultural and religious contexts. And I think that that is important, too. That's why I took the time across these last episode series to really unpack. For you all, the impact that high demand religion can have upon people of color. Now, deconstruction looks different from person to person, but culturally, as African-American people, when it comes to unpacking high demand religion and or those other factors that we outline here in the rigid worldview and outlook of a person in a fundamental religion, and the real world impact it can have. And so we outlined that here in these episode series or wanted to highlight or bring attention to how high demand religion can impact us in the African-American context. And that may look different for a Caucasian person versus an African-American person. And so I outlined and I laid, you know, some of those factors out um, over these series. So go back and listen to part one. Go back and listen to part two and then use part three as a catalyst and a roadmap 
for change or tools to help people navigate um, in these spaces that you may encounter people leaving from high demand religion and have some of the residue of some of the things that I outlined here today. But lastly, remember, leaving an HDR is a personal journey and there is no one size fits all approach. A psychosocial approach, however, can offer a valuable support and guidance during these challenging transitions. But it's important to find the resources and the support that best meet individual needs. Thank you, family, for tracking with me here at My Irreligious Life Podcast. God bless. Hey, family, thank you for tuning in to My Irreligious Life Podcast with your host, Jermaine Thomas, your go-to podcast for religious commentary and so much more. My Irreligious Life is a subsidiary of Black Koreans Media. And hit us up for sponsorship opportunities, family. God bless.